Well, we have been talking about stackable certificates here on Let's Talk Ed. And Zahi, earlier this week, uh, you had the opportunity to talk with Dr. Sandra Kiddo, who is the president at Northland Community and Technical College in Northwest Minnesota. And uh, Zahi, I'm very interested and excited to see this interview. So uh, Zahi, I'll let you take it away at this point. Sandy, hello. Uh, I, I remember hearing you at uh, meetings in Wisconsin where you presented some of your research, quantitative research on the stackability of certificates. I remember being blown away. I remember, you know, leaving uh, those meetings thinking there is value in building the, the, the credentials, but also the knowledge base for students. What has your research so shown and over the years, what, uh, how, how were you able to implement it? Well, thanks for having me. I, um, I first got interested in the research when we were talking about creating shorter term credentials as a way to meet the needs of typically returning adult students who they don't have the time to complete an entire degree. And so, um, but then oftentimes we were hearing um, that they would, you know, earn this certificate and then when they came back, they would have to start over again or repeat what they did. And so um, we were thinking about this differently in terms of can we stack these credentials? Can we build these um, shorter term credentials within these longer degree programs that have labor market outcomes? And um, but then, at, you know, as we're trying to do this work um, at the system office, we said um, we would get some naysayers. We'd get people who would say, but that's going to negatively impact my longer degree program. So if somebody had an associate of applied science, they're going to take that short term credential and then leave and not return. And so I had said, you know, that's a really valid point. You know, let me let me figure out if we can think about, you know, is that true or not? And so in my research, one of the things that I did was um, I took some, and I, I tried to dispel, you know, is it or is it not? Because I didn't know. So I took some data, um, actually 10 years of data where there were some naturally stacked credentials. And I um, measured that against the um, credentials that were not. So the Wisconsin Technical College System had 16 colleges. So I had a very large data set. I put in a lot of other variables. And what I found is that completion is complicated and it neither had a positive or negative impact on that longer term credential completion. So then that led me to believe that it just makes sense to really, if we can, think about these shorter term credentials as a pathway for many people to you know, gain success, earn their uh, that first certificate, continue to work, and then continue on if they so please, depending upon what their longer term credentials are. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you dealt with tens of thousands of data points. So it's not onesies and twosies. It's not a hundred people. Uh, did it matter how and when they started those those students, especially the non-traditionals? Does it matter if they're younger? Does it matter if they're experienced in the real world? What what did what did you find? Yeah, I found that um, yeah, com completion's com complicated. So yeah, I had variables of their age. I had variables of um, if they were full-time or part-time. I did not have variables of employed or not, but I had variables because I had large institutions, small institutions, um, urban, suburban, rural. And I, you know, I put variables to, to control for that in my modeling. But I think that, um, you know, 
at the end of the day, you know, there wasn't anything that was significant enough to show that it either had a negative or, or positive um, impact on essentially continuing on for that higher level degree, that associate degree or not, whether it was inherently designed in the programmatic delivery or not. And right before we went on air, you, you were telling me about some examples that we've been doing for decades. Do you mind sharing those? Because I didn't think about it until you mentioned it. Yeah, because I remember people thinking, oh, stack credentials, this is this is the greatest and newest thing, right? But there are, and this is what allowed me to, because when I was doing this research, you know, we were just a couple years into building stack credentials intentionally. And so I said, um, but I wanted to have some historical data. And we've been doing this kind of um, stack credentials for quite a while, or some institutions have. So, um, the, you know, the, the classic stack credential is a certified nurse assistant. And sometimes that's built within a nursing program and sometimes it's a prereq. So certified nursing assistant that stacks into a practical nursing that stacks into an associate degree RN that stacks into a BSN and beyond. That's a, that's a stacked credential because you can get one point and then your employer, you can then continue on or not. You can choose to work or not and then continue to build upon that through your career progression. I mean, it, it sounds it sounds innovative, but like you said, we've been doing it for decades. Employers are very used to it. Students are very used to it. But somehow when you started, people were going, oh, I don't think it's going to work or will it work? Uh, and, and you've worked in both the system office and the field colleges. Have you, uh, what would you, how would you advocate to policymakers, but also on a local level, what has your research learning uh, and, and years of experience helped you figure out? Uh, and if you had a magic wand, what would you do? I think the big, the, the biggest barrier, I, and I and I still see this barrier years later, right? The biggest barrier, I think, has been financial aid, because you know when we were first doing this work, it was, um, you know, how do you um, provide financial aid to a student in a shorter term credential? Well, if they're um, planning to at any time continue on into that longer term credential, that's the program they put them in in financial aid. And there's variances around how our financial aid directors handle that. But I think um, that just throws everybody's number because, you know, the student may be only here for one small piece of it, and but we have them in the longer piece so that they can get access to financial aid because they've indicated that, oh, maybe sometime I may, may come back for that. And I think, you know, if I had to advocate, I'd advocate to really change that. Now, I know that there's been different guidance from the Department of Ed on that, but I don't know that, you know, all financial aid directors certainly buy into that. They, they have a little bit of apprehension around that. And you think uh, uh, systems at state levels uh, and and the boards at the local level, do you think that they have an interest in in those like building the Legos till we get the bigger structure for the students or whatever the student structure in their mind is or or how can we help them? what what can we do in terms of education and advocacy at those levels? Well, I think there's there's two different things. And, and you know, I don't think um, either of these I thought of when I was doing my research, but I've, I've been putting a lot of thought now that I'm the college president. 
I think the first is, is that, um, you know, we're so focused on completion of that longer term degree. Um, we have many students specifically as we look to serve our non-traditional population that they may only want a very um, specific skill set. They may just want um, a subset of skills, but, you know, because of the way that we're driven by our metrics, um, we want them to complete a, a degree. And so I think that you know, the, the concept of a stack credential really allows you to say, I, you know, here's this small subset that I can come in and, and take and then become a valuable employee or seek a different job. So I think we have to think about completion different. I think the other thing that stack credentialing is letting us think about is um, those students who um, maybe they want to design their own degree. We're so focused on this, you know, this is the sequence of classes you take to get this traditional degree program. And our, you know, we're really looking at, you know, can we take subsets of pieces of different degrees and think about what are those things for the future that we're going to need? You know, I, I say, if, if I could take some, you know, some a little bit of welding program with a little bit of mechatronics, with a little bit of marketing, a little bit of accounting, you know, and a little bit of IT, that would be a great package for somebody who's going to, you know, do design something or start their own business. But we're off, we're not set up for that. We're, you know, that's not, you know, crossing those lines typically in institutions is really tough. And what is the impact on general education? Because, you know, if, how can we weave it in, in a structured, stackable way? Uh, have you figured out kind of the magic potion or working on it? <laughs> Huh? Yeah, if I figure out the magic potion, man. Um, no, but I do think that, you know, this gets into that. There's always this delineation between each discipline, right? My discipline shall do X and this discipline shall do Y. But as you think about, you know, crossing those lines, um, you know, each discipline supports each other. You know, general education is supporting the critical thinking, the writing, the communication that the technical disciplines are. And, but I think, you know, we have it, we're still in this very, you know, Carnegie method of credit hour production and the typical, um, you know, fall, spring semester and three credits of English and three credits of communication. And we do that because of transfer, right? We do that because transferring to a four-year institution in the two-year world really gets us challenged in terms of, you know, oh, if I, if I integrate my, you know, writing with, this discipline, it's not going to transfer at the university. So we don't do that. But I think we have to be thinking about that differently. Um, you know, when I'm out talking to employers, I'm always, you know, talking about, you know, the, the, the critical thinking skills that are often taught in our math courses and the communication skills that are taught, that we're talking about in our writing courses. And I think that we don't, you know, we don't talk about, we talk about that, oh, that's just that English 101, or that's just the, you know, math 190 or whatever it is. We don't think about the types of skills that we have that are, that's taught in there. So I think that that's just as important to integrate those into these small stack credentials. And sometimes it's a prerequisite. Sometimes it's co-requisites where you're taking two classes together. Um, but sometimes it's, um, you know, just having that as part of the curriculum. It's interesting, as you were speaking, I was thinking in the back of my head that um, there are things like the IBEST model from Washington State, where they've combined English or math with uh, a subject matter in order to get the contextualization in real time. Uh, but then you get the pushback of, well, now two faculty, it's going to cost us more, it's prohibitive, yet at the same time, 
before the end of that sentence, we say we want to contextualize uh, and we haven't figured it out. I'm, what I'm thinking is that's a way to contextualize, right? Is is perhaps creating stackability. And yes, it's not going to be the same flavor that is being taught at University X, but many of our students, for that matter, the vast majority of our students aren't either uh, completing and or transferring. So how would we help them if it's just, if it's in one mold? Yeah, you know, I think, um, so my early work in Wisconsin, that all stemmed out of the, the IBES work um, because we were, and that was on developmental ed, typically developmental ed yeah. with a technical um, programming. But I think that just um, thinking about it in terms of, um, you know, we're, we're always, oh, we can't do that because in case that student transfers, I think, you know, we really as a society probably need to be thinking about transfer and not, you know, course to course transfer to be competency to competency transfer because whether I learn you know that higher level math in an engineering you know introductory engineering class or I learn it in a math class I've learned it I know it I can demonstrate it so I think that that's the thing that we have to be thinking about and right now you know and I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure I've heard any large universities or university systems even thinking about competency-based. The competency-based movement and work is all coming out of the two-year system to think about getting down to that granular competency level. I was talking to one of our transfer partners recently and they were hung up on um, a class that we were teaching and it was a, a like a 100 or 200 level course in my institution, but the competencies or that class work was a 300 level course in their institution. They didn't want to take it because it was a 100 level. And I'm like, wait a minute. So you're going to have that student, you know, retake and the time, money, effort, all of those things that, and, and to me, that doesn't make sense. So I think that we have to have just bigger conversations about transfer in general, and then really thinking about um, when we do design, whether it's a contextual or we're doing team teaching or, you know, however we, you know, teach those, we should really be thinking about how do we help that student get what they need, get what they they don't know that they need yet because maybe they will transfer someday because you don't want people to repeat work. But, you know, we're often hit with these barriers that we're not going to do it because something down the road, you know, I always say like auditors, we're not going to do something because we might get audited. So you know, that's a distinct risk, fear. You know? But at the same time, uh, you know, the, the issue that you're raising is also a societal uh, issue, which is if we're going to make the student repeat, um, you know, in most cases, it's going to be from uh, Title IV, you know, a Pell Grant or or conversely, a, 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 a loan. So there's an impact on that individual, on their family and on society as a whole. And, you know, rather than focusing on what they need to succeed, we're focusing on how many boxes we can check and check them right. So whoever auditor comes in doesn't uh, put us in timeout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is exactly right. And I think that, um, you know, we've kind of set ourselves up for that, right? And I think, you know, the pandemic too, like right now everybody was afraid of how we're spending money and how we're doing things. They're afraid of getting audited rather than, we, you know, focusing on, on serving students. Right. Uh, so uh, before we went on air, you were telling me that a lot of the employers in your area of Northwestern uh, Minnesota are are in need of supporting students for growth. Um, 
maybe uh, maybe like many parts of the upper midwest you're seeing a shift in the population maybe you're close or at or or getting close to that enrollment cliff that we're going to see uh how are you managing those things what are you offering to those companies what's you know given the background of what you've done and and figured out from your work on on stackability so we're um so where I serve, it's Northwest Minnesota, Northeast North Dakota. We have one of the lowest unemployment rates in the nation, high labor force participation. So we have a lot more jobs than people. And so we have a lot of our, you know, our traditional high school students are um, going straight to work or they're, you know, accessing higher education like they usually did. But that bot, that population just, you know, it's not there. It's pretty flat. And so we're looking to serve our traditional, non-traditional students, our older returning adult students, and most of them are working. And so we are, you know, really trying to rethink how we, you know, uh, can we offer short-term credentials? And so we're doing a lot more of what, you know, the traditional workforce solutions or workforce development um, arm of the house is that's where we're amping up a lot of our things. So we do a, um, a competency, a couple competency-based programs that we actually have things down to like half or quarter credit because some students may come in, um, you know, I have a company called American Crystal Sugar and they need to send their maintenance workers to learn, you know, this set of skills so they can come in and it's a flexible format so they don't have to wait for the semester to start. They can start in, in mid-semester and come in and um, work through that and, and gain those competencies. That's one of the things we're doing. But the other thing is we have a lot of employers who are supporting their employees to continue their education. So whether it's online or competency-based or shorter-term credentials, we're really trying to rethink how do we um, serve those. And one of the things that we did is um, we put um, a website called Northland Works um, together, and that identifies those employers that um, will provide that tuition support. Um, and there's a variety of, you know, we might stratify it in terms of platinum, gold, silver, you know, those who direct pay, those who provide tuition ahead of time, those who provide partial tuition. But um, we're putting that together because we're trying to identify our employers that um, students may want to seek out if they want to continue their education so that they're not, you know, not doing um, nothing. They're doing something. So um, it's sort of a matchmaking service, but, um, you know, we're identifying, you know, if you want to go into plumbing, here's the companies that you can go to and they, you know, you can start work for them. We're, we'll schedule our classes so that um, you can still work and you can come back and, and gain your credential that you need and your employer will help you. So that's one of the things that we're doing up here. Well, that that that's supporting the students in when they need it, how they need it, which is what we need to be thinking about in my mind. Sandy, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I understand that it's 40 below or so where you are. Uh, you know, it's balmy here. It's, it's a little over uh, zero. Uh, but still, I appreciate the time and, and uh, you're welcome to come back anytime if you want to talk. Uh, let's talk, Ed. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Ozahi, that was a great interview with Dr. Sandra Kiddo from Northland Community and Technical College in Minnesota. So Zahi, what were your three biggest key takeaways from this? Uh, well, number one is the hunch that for long time about the effectiveness she she looked at real world data from here the technical college system in wisconsin when she was working for the system uh, another element is that 
a stackability of education does not hinder graduation. It is, you know, the data seem to indicate that is an enhancer of the graduation. And thirdly, going back to a conversation we've had over a year ago, uh, we reiterated it a few times with uh, Chancellor Garcia from the Colorado Community College System, is how can we perhaps reweigh that the funding models at the state levels are uh, thought uh, thought out and uh, implemented. So this stackability of certificates, I think, lends an additional uh, set of um, powerful markers and powerful evidence for that point of view. Well, I think it's great to get, you know, experts like Dr. Kiddo to come on here on Let's Talk Ed. Uh, if you enjoy what we're doing here on Let's Talk Ed, subscribe to our YouTube channel, ring that bell down below so you get notifications when we post content like this. And of course, you can find us uh, not just here on YouTube, but on all of your favorite podcasting platforms as well. So for Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time right here on Let's Talk Ed.